Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we are not talking about an episode of Stargate. We are talking about 22 episodes of Stargate. I feel like we've made this joke before. And this week, we are not talking about an episode of Stargate. <gasps> we are talking about 22 episodes of Stargate. Bum, bum, bum. I feel like we're going to make this joke again. Probably quite a few more times, yes. We are nothing if not predictable. <laughs> anyway, yes, we have reached the end of season two. I assume we don't have a synopsis from TV Guide. No, TV Guide does not give whole season synopses. They give individual episode and, like, whole show. And whole show is, like, the most worthless synopsis. <laughs> what is the whole show synopsis? <laughs> <sighs> give me a second. <laughs> Like it, it, it's always worthless. Like no matter what the show is, like like the, like the whole show synopsis for ER is probably something to the effect of a bunch of doctors do doctor things. <laughs> okay, so the whole show synopsis from TV Guide: huh? a military unit uses an ancient archway to travel the universe and battle alien parasites in this cult sci-fi adventure based on the 1994 film Stargate. Curmudgeonly Colonel Jack O'Neill teams with an archaeologist, an astrophysicist, and an alien, no Oxford comma, to combat the Gua'uld, a serpentine species that requires human hosts. Sorry, requires humanoid hosts. It's not surprising they wouldn't use the Oxford comma. Most publications don't. They're super wrong. They are, but... As whole show synopses go, not terrible. I'm not going to read the synopsis from Stargate Wiki for the series because, predictably, it is very long. It's like three or four paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like divided into cat into like chunks and sections. I'm about to say, like, do they just like you know, like, please refer to literally every other thing on this wiki? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sadly, the page for season two does explain the date discrepancy, but does not give us a summary of the season. Uh, starting with the second half of the season. Uh, it aired in Britain before it aired in the U.S. Well, this isn't The Wire. We don't have, like, a condensed, unified plot for the entire season. And honest That's to God, fair. like, outside of The Wire, I have not watched many shows that tell their stories in that way, where they have these, true like... True Detective. Yeah, that's that's very true. Which, I mean, admittedly, like, True Detective, like, got a second season but it was practically a different show and there's a reason why it doesn't have a third Didn't season 24 have a different story each season yes it did so that that's that's a good example as well the wire i mean obviously is just amazing television yeah and if you haven't seen the wire you really are missing out just go ahead and pause this podcast right now just go watch all five seasons of the wire and and then come back to us if you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. I think my favorite season is actually season two, just because it is completely unrelated to the other four seasons. With the stevedores? Yeah. Season two of The Wires, what taught me the word stevedores? Yes, me too. <laughs> anyway, so, talking about season two of SG-1, which doesn't have a unified story. No, not really. I mean, kind of. Something real quick for both of us to think, which I just thought of, and I'm going to give you a minute or two to think about. Mm -hmm. 
what would you say is your theme for the season? I mean, I feel like it does have a theme. Uh, we see Apophis going from top of his game to temporarily dead. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a bit of a theme. We see, we, and we see them recruiting allies with the Tok'ra. I, I feel like, I don't know if I could sum it up in a couple words or anything, but I, there it definitely is a theme that we see the first season we had this ragtag group of heroes out them against the universe and the entire universe was against them. This season, they're actually making strides in their mission. Yeah. My theme for the, for the season, which, which will make a, a later discussion tricky for me was SG one forming this family of sorts mm. and then stepping on to the galactic stage. Yeah. You got to realize from, we're out there. Right. Exactly. Now, yeah. uh, exactly. You know, from for the fifth race where the Asgard recognized them as the potential fifth race mm-hmm. that they are well on their way uh to their actions in season one and the movie leading to the eventual downfall of apophis mm-hmm. uh the completely and totally abandoned story idea of the ritu mm-hmm. gunning for the Tauri specifically like all of it it's Season two is about S- is about SG one and the SGC being like what what yeah more or less so do you want to do top or bottom let's start bottom you like to start at the bottom and work your yeah. way up yeah yeah uh, bottom bottom or top bottom uh top bottom to bottom bottom and then bottom top to top top ah interesting yes three two one in both instances yes. <laughs> <laughs> So what is your third worst episode for the season? So I'm going to start this off with the caveat. In season one, the first two for sure were episodes that I just despised of my bottom. The bottom episode and the second from the bottom were episodes that I despised. In season three, there are no episodes I despise. There are three episodes that I like less than the others. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm coming at from roughly the same angle. There, there was nothing in this season that I'm like... Oh, boy. <laughs> exactly. So my third from the bottom is Out of Mind. Yes. Okay. That was my first runner-up. Okay. For, yeah, so that was my fourth worst. My my third worst was Show and Tell for largely the same reason. Mm. Well, Show and Tell <laughs> is my second worst. Right. <laughs> Do you want to explain to the listeners why Show and Tell is ranked so low for us? Okay. Well, well, out of mind as well. But yes, uh, show and tell. Um, it if it ever came up again, <laughs> because it feels there's such a missed opportunity. There. They're setting something up, and it just never happens. Exactly. It, it, same reason, like you said, with out of mind, where yeah. it's with out of mind. It's also that it just for both of them, out of mind and show and tell. It's that. This thing comes out of nowhere. Show and tell is like the larger offender, which is why out of mind gets the, uh, like runner up for me. Because with show and tell, it, it pitches these terrible, like this, 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 this new big bad who even 
infiltrates the SGC and causes a bit of a ruckus at the SGC. And mm-hmm. the Tok'ra knows, knows who they are, and they give them special weapons to defend themselves against them, and then we never hear or see of, from them ever again, other than potentially some like random mentions here and there. But they're not going to be an actual enemy yep. for the SGC. Whereas Out of Mind at least brings back former enemies, even though it comes completely out of left field. All of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Hathor's here, I guess. Like that one's like more forgivable because it brings back a returning enemy. Like instead of creating up a whole new one and then abandoning it by the end of the episode. So my thought is that the season shouldn't have really ended on a two-parter. I realize that's anathema in Stargate. But season... The season should have ended with uh, Serpent's Song. Ooh. Now, put 1969 before it, obviously, because we can't yes, not yes, have yes, 1969. Yes, yes, yes. Right. But <laughs> yeah. the season should have just ended with Serpent's Song. I think that would have been a good ending for the season, especially considering then the season really would have been the downfall of Apophis, going from In the Serpent's Lair mm-hmm. all the way to Serpent's Song. Right. And it also does end on this like hint of a cliffhanger yeah where it's well i guess it's maybe apophis well yeah well no no he'll just bring him back he's because sarcophagi mm-hmm. okay well i think we spent enough time talking about those uh my second worst was family interesting my family was my runner-up okay okay so what's bottom of your barrel bottom of the barrel is secrets oh and that is because just uh, for the B plot, I guess you could say it. As with everything, as with show and tell, and out of mind, the B plot, it just it doesn't, it never comes to fruition. We don't get anything from it. Yes, I suppose that a secondary theme of this of this season was we're gonna throw some really cool ideas at the wall, and then we're gonna tear the wall down. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then I did didn't care that much for even the a plot with daniel and teal and share no but i give bonus points especially in season two to anything that works towards the broader picture of, of where the show is going and the harcesis is going to be a thing and yeah. so is to a certain degree um harrower yeah but we already it's not like yeah, and I guess that's important for hair work because we have Jack throwing the knife at him. But still. yeah, so bottom the bottom bottom for me though is Bane. Interesting. I kind of liked Bane. No. <laughs> I mean, I realized it's not like it, it. It adds nothing to the overall story, but I still kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I guess there's Mayborn. I think this may have been the f- first time Mayborn shows up. Second. Second, he showed up in season. Oh, okay. Never mind. So it's not even that. It's just but it has Mayborn. Mayborn. Yeah, sure. But you know what else has Mayborn? Oh yeah, my number two top, the number two episode on my top three. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> that you know, well that that gets us to our top selections. Right, pretty what nicely. is your third best holiday? Okay, solid uh, choice. Yeah, matter of time is a runner-up for me. Holiday is a runner for me and Matter of Time. Uh, okay. My third best was 1969. It's also a fun episode. Yes. And then, as I already said, <laughs> my second best was Touchstone. Fifth race for me. Okay. 
Yeah, the phrase great, is my first. Yeah, you know, great big picture meaning of life stuff. Indeed. Or meaning of show stuff, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my best was Tokra. Okay. All right. That's also Tokra, a good choice. Whichever one. <laughs> part one or part two. Ooh, ooh. I had not given that any thought. Maybe part two. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So for Touchstone, uh, specifically why, uh, obviously it has Mayborn. And I like Touchstone for the opposite reason why I don't like uh, show and tell and secrets. Touchstone starts a whole, uh, a whole storyline that continues on in later episodes. Uh, yes, it drops the initial hints that because we can never decide if the, like which episode is the first official name drop for the NID. They definitely say it in Touchstone, but I can't remember if they. <laughs> but they definitely yeah. call out the NID in Touchstone. And make it very clear that the NID is conducting their own secret off-world missions and yeah. just taking whatever they feel like taking. And yes, we do get payoff, like, not once, but at least twice yeah. later down the road. And we have the recurring, you know, nefariousness that is Colonel Mayborn. It's, yeah, t- Touchstone is a very, very, very solid choice. Yeah, and it does lead to one of my favorite sh- episodes of the season. Of the series, I mean, which is Shades of Grey. Hmm. Nice. Which we'll get to in a couple years. Well, yeah, a couple years in the show, not in our podcast. It'll probably be like within the within the next year that we'll get to it. Maybe I don't know. Time is weird. Wibbly wobbly. Indeed. Who was your least favorite character this season? My least favorite character was Lieutenant. I never caught his name because I didn't care for him. The one who has the crush on Sam. Ah. I was restricting myself to main cast because I couldn't remember anyone else's name other than, like, old Doc Frazier, who I wouldn't pick. Oh, no. Ne- I would never pick old Doc Frazier. <laughs> All right, so who's your least favorite from the main cast? <laughs> Daniel. He was mostly annoying this season. Oh, that's fair. Well, then who is your most favorite? Jack. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Okay. Since, as I said, my my theme for season two was SG-1 coming together and stepping onto the stage, my most favorite character was SG-1. That's cheating. I don't think so, because we see a lot more of the group-slash-family dynamic in this season than we did it oh, we all did. in the first season. And so, for season three, I'll think of something better. Like, I won't use this again, but... Like for me, the the cohesive unit that is SG one, no, next formed year, next in season, this season. You're say your favorite character is the Stargate. <laughs> no, I would. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's a real team player. You know, it, it's always there, except when it's not. Yeah. <laughs> But that also leads me to character growth. Yes. So from based on my most favorite character, the team as the character is what had the growth. I don't oh, think any yeah. individual characters had a ton of growth this season. I would season. agree with that, yeah. Teal'c maybe a little, just becoming more comfortable being around the Tory, but it's the fact that they came together. Oh, That's yeah, where the they growth was. Did. So who, to what was your character growth? The 
the same as yours. There's just the team. I didn't have any specific individual things for any person. That's cheating. <laughs> so, how many times did Daniel Jackson die? Only once. Okay. In We're- need, which brings our new total count to four. All right, he's way ahead of Harry, way ahead of Harry Camp. Oh, yeah. No, no, well ahead. And Daniel Jackson is a, is a civilian, so obviously can receive no promotions. And Harry Kim also can receive no promotions. So they'll be permanently tied in that perspective. <laughs> That's true. All right. So do you want to give us a rundown on the writers and directors that we saw this season? I'm not sure how you want to structure this, so I'll let you just take it away. All right. Well, we don't have any surprising names this season no so steven spielberg didn't direct an episode or zemeckis who would have been more likely zemeckis oh you mean uh roland emmerich yeah yeah and not like roland emmerich who would have been more likely roland emmerich hates the show he would never have directed so i guess maybe less likely but more surprising (laughs) that's true but uh, for the director who did the most this season was David Wary Smith with six. Then we had Martin Wood with four and Brad Turner with three. And then on the writing side, Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright both wrote five. Brad um, wrote, you mean? Mm. And as on the writers, I... I'm counting any time that they have are attached to an episode as a writer. I'm counting it as fair enough for this, for these purposes. And uh, Robert C. Cooper wrote four and Catherine Powers wrote three. Hmm. So nothing all that exciting. No interesting names that at least none that I recognized from doing other stuff. But yeah, necessarily mean anything because there's a lot of screenwriters. Uh, Right. And uh, it certainly feels like with TV, that, especially with something like this, that they're going to have the same writers over and over again. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not The West Wing, where Sorkin wrote, like, all but four of the first four seasons. Right. And even then, he still, like, had his fingers in the pie. It's just that, like, someone else, for whatever reason, got the writing credit. But... Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine, like, Law & Order probably has a lot of different writers. (laughs) I'm sure. But... You know, a sci-fi show like this, or... You think it wasn't the same person for 18 years? But a sci-fi show like this, or any given Star Trek, or Battlestar, or uh, Babylon 5, that they probably have, like a... Uh, It's funny you should say Babylon 5. Most of the episodes of Babylon 5 were written by J. J. Michael Straczynski. No, no. That just emphasizes my point that they have a small group of people that write the majority of the episodes occasionally bringing in someone from the outside but for the most part because they're trying to tell a large cohesive story right they want to keep like a core writing staff yeah and i imagine with a lot of these writers the especially the ones that we see over and over again i mean they're going to be part of the major writing staff so even on the episodes where they don't have credit they were like, all in a room together doing stuff. Right. You know, being like, no, 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 no. Daniel would never say something like that, for example. Yeah, like the holders of the Bible. Yes. Yes. So you apparently want me to talk about the dead zone. I was, I, I put that down because you seem to want to talk about the dead zone. You want me to give a rundown on 
Did you go Our back zone appearances? into the ones before? I didn't. No, 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 no. I, I just... Uh, so, yeah, I just went back to when I first... I was kind of hoping you would go back. <laughs> I just went back to when I first noticed Alvin Sanders in Holiday, mm-hmm. who had... He had been on the dead zone. Okay. Uh, Daniel Bacon, who was one of the many technicians who were not Walter... Uh, was on the dead zone as well, but he was a recurring character, and so I could only use him once. <laughs> uh, so, but from when I first noticed Alvin Sanders in Holiday, with the exception of one episode, which I think was, um, hold on, uh, with the exception of Show and Tell, I thought the first dead zone appearance we saw we noticed was in the Fifth Race. Nope. Okay, I thought there was someone else on the podcast when we first talked about the dead zone. Nope. Okay. Uh, yeah, so with the exception of Show and Tell, which only had, like, the kid as a new character, basically. And, well, I mean, well, Carmen Arganziano, I'm not, I hope I didn't butcher his name too badly. Uh, obviously, he's a recurring character, but he was never on the Dead Zone. Uh, Daniel so Bacon. Why are you bringing him up? <laughs> because he and the kid are the only people outside of the main cast who were on the episode Show and Tell. That's why I was bringing him up. Ah, okay. And so, therefore, there was no one new in the Dead Zone from that episode. However, every other episode until the end of the season... Well, there well, no, there was that other... There was the unnamed Tokra, isn't it? Who didn't have a speaking line, so he was unnamed. And so I have no uh, idea if he was in the Dead Zone or not. Right, yeah. But J.R. Bourne, who plays Martouf, he was in the Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Butler, who played the evil general in Out of Mind, he was on the Dead Zone. And Aaron Pearl, who played young Hammond in 1969, was on the Dead Zone. Okay. That's right. Because USA does not only pull from former West Wing actors. With the exception of like Martin Sheen, almost every single uh, West Wing regular has made an appearance on a USA show at some point. Okay. The only one it's I'm, weird. that's coming to mind for me off the top of my head was Richard Schiff on Burn Notice. Richard Schiff on Burn Notice. Richard Schiff in Without a Trace, who is headlined by... Uh, Without a Trace was this, wasn't a USA show. Not Without a Trace. Uh, not, not Without a Trace. It was the one headlined by Mary McCormick, who was in the final seasons of we- of the West Wing, about the Witness Protection Program. I have no idea. In Plain Sight. I've never even heard of this show. I enjoyed a lot. Richard Chef was on that. Dulé Hill on Psych. You just ignore that one altogether. He was like one I of the two characters it. on Psych, and he was yeah, on I, all I seven seasons. <laughs> uh, Alice and Jenny has shown up, I think, also in, on In Plain Sight. Janelle Maloney actually may have never shown up on a USA show. Hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah. But everybody else has at some point or another. Well, John Spencer hasn't. Too soon. <laughs> That's fair. But he hasn't. Well, it depends on how you define USA show, actually. We're not. We're defining USA shows as shows that are basically the monk, but with different premises. Well, I'm going to say, because USA, at least when the USA Network got its start, it was basically the Law and Order Network. <laughs> and John Spencer was in the very first episode of the original Law and Order. Wow. So we put out a question to the Twitterverse. We did. In retrospect, we should have done this a couple days ago. We should have done this months ago, man. We should have been asking this question every day. 
that's a bit excessive. Yeah, it's probably true. But a day before we record was probably yes, 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 a at late. the very least, yes. <laughs> but we got a little bit of feedback from it. Yes, we did. Uh, we got one from uh, our fellow Stargate podcast, The Gatecast. What up? They uh, want to know uh, what episodes we thought failed to deliver on the story concept. Uh, so I think we already talked about show and tell and uh, secrets. And out of mind. <laughs> and out of mind. Yeah, we we did already get a chance to touch on that um, at length. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please feel free to review back to the episodes we recorded on those episodes as well. Yes. <laughs> I would also honorable mention to Stargate Origins, which we did review partway through season two. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering how I could like neatly sort of drop that in there, because we did. <laughs> Boy, did that fail to deliver on its concept. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But how about the opposite side of that coin? They also want us to talk about what we thought to be an outstanding performance from the season. All right. Well, I really liked uh, Richard Dean Anderson's performance in The Fifth Race. That was very, very good. Um, I really liked uh, Michael Shanks' performance in Need. Okay, yes, that was good, too. Um, And that also is sort of on my list of episodes that failed to deliver just from like a 20 years in the future perspective where as we discussed at the time the idea that they probably would they they would have found a way to draw that episode out even if it wasn't like a two-parter but they would have had daniel going through withdrawal symptoms or flashbacks to it or something like they would have there's a lot of stuff that they pick up and then promptly abandon I still think they shouldn't have destroyed the sarcophagus. Well, hmm. with the exception of Sam and Jolinar, it feels like with every other character, whatever happens in their past doesn't matter. I mean, look at look at the kid in show and tell being like, I'd like to be called Charlie and, and Jack being like, mm, OK, cool. That definitely doesn't, you know, throw me into weird like emotional problems because my dead son. Right. Well, we do have Daniel with his past with Sharae. That's true. I mean, that... Okay, that's fair. And Teal'c with his past with Apophis. Yeah, but they all had a past with Apophis. Like, they all... Well, except for Sam. They all had a chance to kind of rub Apophis' downfall in his face and tell him how they wish they were, they were the ones to be there right now to pull the plug. Yeah, that's true. All right, so Tim on Twitter... Wanted us Hello, to talk Tim. about how the Tok'ra helped widen the mythos of Stargate. And yes, they absolutely did that. Uh, because they give us a whole bunch of... There's a whole bunch of backstory and lore that gets added to the show once the Tok'ra are brought in. Uh, yeah, we go from thinking that anyone and everyone who has a Gould symbiote that whatever that species is outside of just calling them Gould in them that they are like, we go from the, that, they, that those folks are inherently evil. Just they are period in the story to realizing that no, 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 just like anyone else. Since these are, since the symbiotes are sentient, obviously they also are fully capable of deciding, you know what? I don't want to enslave people. So that's obviously like, 
that's a big deal because mm-hmm. it it also gives us this opportunity that and it comes up from time to time i mean not all Klingon are evil, but I don't know if they ever painted that way. I'm trying to think of like a good like Star Trek analogy, because we do have this other podcast, Delta Flyer, where we talk about Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, because Star the Trek Borg. usually makes a... Well, we have good Borg, too. No, no, we have, like, singular. Whereas, like, the Toker are, like, a whole, like, sect. Like, they're a minority. Right, in TNG, though, it starts out uh, okay, yes, the Borg all start out as the monolithic enemy, but then after they meet Hugh and teach him about individuality and return him to col- the collective, later in TNG we find that there's like an entire group of Borg that now follow Hugh. Okay, that's a pretty good parallel. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a good parallel. Yeah. Whereas like, like the Klingon or the Romulans or the Cardassians, that's not a good parallel. Maybe yeah. the uh, like the Changelings, not the Changelings. What are they called? The Founders. Yeah, but they're not, but they're not necessarily like right, evil. Except we already knew we knew Odo before we knew them. So that the Tokra represent a division from what we had previously thought to be a monolithic evil. Yeah. That's true. In the same way that, as you had said, the the Hugh sect. Do they have like a cooler name than the Hugh no. sect? Like the Human, perhaps? No. Uh, all right, mm. never mind. The Human, anyway, um, represent Hugh and his that. Borg. That's boring. Represent that the Borg are not a monolithic evil. Yeah. I'll figure out how to edit this conversation, but okay. I feel like I'm trying to make the point that if we had only met Martuf. The Gould are still all evil. Okay. The but we met Martuf and like a couple dozen of his buddies, and then there's more of them scattered around. So yeah. clearly the symbiotes can like make a choice. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I think I already said my piece on it about them not being a monolith. So how about that poll we put out? Yeah, that was pretty popular. Yeah. What was, what were our uh, results again? Okay. Yes, we put out a Twitter po- poll asking what people's favorite episodes in season two were. And the three I put on there were The Fifth Race, 1969, and A Matter of Time, which were the top three voted one ranked episodes on IMDb. And then I also gave an option for other. Uh, and The Fifth Race won with 107 votes total. The Fifth Race got 44%. But 1969 was not far behind with 41%. So... It's def- it, it was very clear that those were the top two episodes of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking at this matter of time at 10%, I mean, that's... Gosh, yeah. that's practically a rounding error. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting were some of the write-ins. Uh, a couple people said In the Line of Duty, which I was not expecting. It's a solid episode, though. It is, but I wouldn't... I would never have considered it one of my favorites of the season. Hmm. That's true. And then one person said holiday, which you yes. agreed with. And then someone else said message in a bottle. Yes. Thank you, Cap- Campylobacter. Skull. I don't know if you say the emoji or not. I don't think you say <laughs> the emoji. <laughs> yeah. I'm millennial, not Gen Z. Campylobacter. You don't think it's Campylobacter? Well, because they're at Campy Y. <sighs> Whatever. They have a picture of Lucy Liu, so I think they're my... So, you know. With a skull, so maybe they do say the skull. I bet they say the skull. Anyway. (laughs) 
anyway, yeah, that was that was our poll. Nice. So, speaking of interaction with our fans. No, we weren't. <laughs> a couple months ago, we mentioned on the show that we would say if you gave us a review in iTunes. Yes, we were kind of expecting, because at this point, I don't think we had gotten really any reviews. Correct. And we were we were both kind of figuring that iTunes would notify us when people left us reviews. Yeah. Like, and either we never checked that box or the box, box doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. The box does not exist. Oh. I have now signed up for a third-party service that will send us notifications. Yes. So, hey, we got some reviews. Yes, we did. And since I can't look them up on my computer, could you remind me what the name of <laughs> what the name of the email thing that sent it was. Yeah, we we uh we found something called my podcast reviews. Yes. Pretty on the nose. And they have told us who our reviews are from. And conveniently, they make it even easier because they also send us reviews from people from other countries which we can't normally see. Yes. Such as our one-star review from Australia. Uh we're you know what? If we are what you need to fall asleep, then we are happy to provide that service to you. This is true. If we're your audio benzodrine, that's fine. Because I think that's, that's right. what he used, right? Audio benzo. I assume that benzo is short for benzodrine. Yeah. I thought I thought benzodrine was an amphetamine. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, audio benzo. So, yeah. But we also got a review from Alex... Uh, so, hi, Alex. Uh, we follow each other on Twitter. He said that we have a fun discussion on Stargate. So, thanks, Alex. Yeah, man. Thank you. And then my favorite review. Yes, from Jill Uphill. Yes. Uh, who also had, like, more words than the other reviews combined. Yes, and also who follows us on Twitter. Hello. Anyway, Jill had was great because she put in a Stargate reference in the review. By saying that if you immediately know the candlelight is fire, then the podcast was recorded a long time ago. So, thanks for that, Jill. That was awesome. Yeah, you know what? Thanks for that, Jill. Because I was definitely not going to make that joke in a few seasons. <laughs> and I appreciate that she comments that she likes us, that she she likes our conversations enough that she almost starts to join in when she listens to it so that's cool yeah yeah those are some of my favorite podcasts is when i start talking back at the hosts yes well i do listen to some occasionally where i start yelling back at the hosts but anyway no 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 don't do that so i just a quiz yes uh i took it upon myself to find a quiz for us for this season i was wanting to i'm gonna open that quiz on my phone i was wanting to keep it limited to (laughs) just season two Mm -hmm. Uh, And I took it upon myself maybe 30 minutes before we started recording. And so I feel like it would be in the best tradition of our podcast for this to also be a crummy quiz. And we're about to find out. And time. So this one was at... uh, Sporkle, which I'm going to expel for you. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. S as in Stargate. Uh, <laughs> P O 
rcle.com and we'll link to this uh on twitter and uh in, the show in some sort of way like in the show notes on the chapter marker we'll we'll yeah. link to it a couple of different ways oh yeah we have show notes now by the way in case you don't go to our website we have a fancy new website now yeah man so this one was just simply name that sg1 episode season two and it w- it had a two minute timer and a mix and match and so it was stuff like asking clues such as first time we witnessed the power of the asgard and then it had a selection of 11 episodes from which to choose uh as an improvement to this quiz is if it was first time we meet the asgard or witness the power of the asgard rather and then had three or four choices and then we move yeah. on to the next like move on to the next prompt and then three or four choices from which to choose uh, rather because as you went on the quiz kept getting easier because you could just pick out the really obvious easy ones and be like well now i only have five questions and five answers I really don't like the consistent capitalization. In the answers or in the questions? In the answers. Well, there was the sarcophagus is capitalized in the answer in the questions, which is strange. But in the answers, the game. Oh yeah, yeah. All They're the all words over the are place. capitalized, but the rest, nope. Yeah. But no, all in all, actually, like a solid step up from last season's quiz. I think it. Uh, if they weren't going to give us a multiple choice for each question. Uh, they could have kept the same format, but had, like, in addition to having those, they could have had the other 11 episodes as red herrings. Oh, yeah, just, like, all 22 episodes there, but only 11 questions. Right, because I bet, mm. I bet, uh, for instance, first time the Tok'ra introduced, if you they had the Tok'ra listed there, oh yeah, thrown some people off. I mean, I was looking for that until I, like, I, too, like, until and like, I didn't oh, see it. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah. So no, all in all, not a bad quiz. Definitely you know, better you, than the season one quiz. Yeah, listeners, check it out. Uh, let us know if you don't score 100, because then we're not going to tell you to not subscribe to the podcast. That'd be ridiculous, but... It does say the average score is 84%. I bet that all of our listeners can beat that. I mean, average score of 84 means that, on average, people have missed two answers. Yeah, I thought it was relatively simple, but then, obviously, we did just, you know, analyze the whole season, so. We did. And now we're done analyzing our analysis of the season. And we're going to go on a break for a little bit, just like we did at the end of season one, but we will be back with season three. You know, that's right. But, uh, you know, if you have a hankering, if there's a, if there's a Stuart and Thad sized hole in your life, don't forget we have our other podcast, Delta Flyer, which is going to be starting back up with season two very shortly. Indeed. In fact, I think we can safely say that we would have season, we, there wouldn't be like a week where we have no podcast released, right? Yeah. Be sure to tune in next time in a little while for season three, episode one whatever it's called. That's our show. Okay.